And all God's people said, would you turn with me to John chapter 12 this morning? We're looking at verses 27 and through 30 today. An American pastor named Francis Chan, he made a trip to China. He carried his family. He went to go visit the underground church in China. He was taken to a secret, confidential location. He had his uh, oldest daughter with him, I believe. And they went into this meeting with other Christians, Chinese Christians. The purpose of the meeting was to speak to and teach and train new converts there in the Chinese church to teach them, train them about persecution. And Francis Chan, through an interpreter, began to hear these various ones in this small room, probably certainly no bigger than probably half the stage here, but the room was full. And the leader who would be like the pastor was up talking, and he was talking about being beaten shot at and he said almost in a laughing manner that he soon realized that when the soldiers came in and began to fire their weapons that they really weren't intent on killing him they just wanted to frighten him because he said it was obvious that they were shooting over the top of my head they didn't want to kill us they just wanted to scare us so he was sharing his testimony. And then another believer raised their hand and they stood up and they talked about what the incarceration was like, being imprisoned and the beatings that they experienced in prison. And Pastor Chan looked and he said, I looked across the room and some of these Christians still had visible scars on them, on their face, wounds where the Chinese police had inflicted visible harm on them because they were believers. And Francis Chan said, I sat there hearing their testimony about what they had gone through for their faith. Beaten, arrested, kicked, punched in the face, shot at. He said, I'll be honest with you, I felt very small. I felt like a zero. I felt like I hadn't done anything for the Lord. He said, I sat there, and, 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 and Pastor Chan was this celebrity pastor at one time. He, he even said that he looked back on his ministry for so long, and he's ashamed of how, how people would celebrate him and, and, and just promote him and talk about him. And he said it really was a life-changing experience because it dawned on him uh, uh, preeminently that, that his ministry was not about him. It was about the Lord, all about the Lord. He said this trip overseas was very eye-opening. So he's sitting there with all these Chinese believers, most of whom had already been in jail because of their faith. And he's starting to rehearse in his mind, what have I suffered because of my faith? 
Maybe I got laughed at a time or two by somebody, maybe that was drunk and not even in their right mind. I hadn't suffered anything. I hadn't, I hadn't gone through any difficulty because of my faith. He said that the leader of the meeting looked at him and said, Pastor Chan, tell us, because we all want to know, you've heard what church is like here in China. What is church like in America? He said, I sat and I was ashamed to tell him. So I began and he said, well, in America, he said, we have all kinds of churches. Big churches, little churches, medium-sized churches. All kinds of different names and denominations and groups and affiliations. And he says, you know, in America, people choose church based on all kinds of stuff. Times of service, music style, preaching style, what kind of programs we have for the kids, what the nursery looks like, what the kids' ministry looks like, how the chairs are set up. Is it pews or is it chairs? Is it rows or is it circles? He said people choose churches based on the attire of the pastor. Is he traditional and wears a suit? Is he more modern and doesn't wear a tie? All that kind of stuff. We choose church in America based on a lot of external stuff. And we choose church in America based on how close it is in proximity to our house. And he said that Chinese pastor just had a puzzled look about him. He said, we choose church in America based on how long the service is. The service goes too long, we'll, we'll switch churches and go looking for another one. He said, finally, that Chinese pastor looked at him and said, he said he held up his Bible. And he took that Chinese Bible and he held it in Francis Chan's face. And he said, how do y'all get that out of this? And Francis Chan said, I sat there. I didn't have an answer for him. You see, let me say this. You can put 99 cent with this and get a cup of coffee at McDonald's. This is my opinion. As I look around at the landscape of Christian America, we've bought in to a lie that says that our road of living for Jesus is supposed to be easy. Never supposed to suffer. Never supposed to go without. Never supposed to be inconvenienced. Never supposed to be made to feel bad. Never, never, never are we supposed to be shamed. Never are we to be uh, asked to do anything uncomfortable. And when things like that happen, and we are shamed, and we are inconvenienced, 
and we are pressed, and we do suffer, and we do go through stuff. It's almost like it's a total shock to many Christians in our culture and many Christians here today. We expect it to be different. We don't expect suffering. We expect an easy road. We expect to pray about stuff just minimally and for God the genie to just booyah, give us what we ask for. And so if we don't get a response in prayer like we think we're entitled to, we get discouraged with the Lord and we get a little frustrated at God. Imagine that. We get frustrated at God. Let that sink in just a moment. If we get challenged about a higher commitment to Christ, to do more, to be more, to give more, to love more, to forgive more, we get to made, uh, made to feel uncomfortable about where we are as a Christian and what we're getting challenged to do is difficult for us or a stretch for us to do, whether it be our finances or our schedule, whatever it is, or our lifestyle, we kind of tend to back off because we don't like being stretched. That's hard. That's difficult, <laughs> you see. And it's not supposed to be that way, is it? I mean... I thought it was going to be an easy road. I thought once you said yes to Jesus, everything was going to be kosher. You're supposed to have all your wants met, your prayers answered, everything work out and harmonize. Nobody thinks you're a dweeb. Nobody laughs at you. Nobody makes fun of you. You're accepted by everyone. Your business is blessed and prospers. Your kids don't ever get sick. Your parents don't ever die. You don't ever get cancer. You don't ever deal with real life issues. You don't ever ever get falsely accused. You don't ever lose your job. You don't ever have a financial downturn. Your pipes never bust. (laughs) Your car never breaks down. That's not reality. And listen, that's not the gospel. And that's not the Bible. Because living for Jesus, living for Jesus has always been testy. Living for Jesus has always been, listen, hard. Living for Jesus has never been easy. And I want you to look at me right here. It was never designed to be. Are you listening today? You still out there? Are are you breathing? Living for Jesus was never intended to make you popular. It's never been posh or cushy. It's never been cool. And it's a good day in your life and mine when we get over the coolness factor and we get over being posh and we get over being cushy and having everything our way and exactly like we want it and exactly what we think it it needs to be that's not real that's not the bible that's not true biblical theology that's not life let me tell you what that is that's make-believe that doesn't exist 
until we get to heaven. And this world isn't our home. And we still are just passing through, by the way. It's not an easy road. It's not going to be an easy road. And I want to say this. I want you to listen carefully. Friend, it wasn't an easy road for the Savior. And we're going to say that here in just a moment. And if it wasn't an easy road for Jesus, my beloved, why on earth do we think that we're entitled to an easy road as believers? You say, how do you know it wasn't an easy road for Jesus? I want you to look in verse 27 of John chapter 12. Now is my soul happy. Oh, I thought Jesus was always happy. Now is my soul on the easy path. I'm feeling good about life. I'm feeling good about this and that. No, no, no. That's not what he said. He said, now is my soul troubled. Wait a minute. Jesus got troubled the word troubled there is an interesting word in fact i want uh, I, I, it's it's an interesting word i'm not trying to get ahead of myself but it literally means to be agitated within to be stirred like water almost like a tempestuous sea you've been there haven't you you've had those feelings those inner feelings you can call them what you want to you can call them nerves you can call it uneasiness those tense moments when you knew this was about to happen or that was about to happen and just the dread of it began to stir in you and you were agitated, you were stirred, you were frustrated, you were perplexed. You dreaded what was about to happen. You're like, did Jesus really get like that? Sure. He said, now is my soul troubled. Notice what he says next. Look at your Bible. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. In other words, he's saying, shall I, should I ask that of God, the Father? Lord, save me from this hour. But then he answers his own question. Notice what he says. For this cause came I unto this hour. I have a question for you this morning. What does it take to stop you from doing right? What does it take to stop you? Whatever right is. If it involves the church, if it involves your schedule, if it involves your family, if it involves your finances, if it involves your own integrity and your private world, your private life, your thought life, whatever it is. If it involves your marriage, your relationship with other Christians, other people. What, what, what does it take to stop you from doing what's right difficult path criticism uneasy circumstances sickness inconvenience financial squeeze a busy schedule well I'm just not sure I can make it boy I'm so busy I'm busy I tell you I just don't know if I can how about emotional discouragement you're just discouraged you're just down and so you kind of give up you throw in the towel that stops you from doing what you know God said to do 
peer pressure, social pressure. Does that stop you? You don't want somebody to think something of you. You don't want to be considered weird. And so you let the opinion of a person stop you from doing what your God has told you to do. See, many of us have bought into easy road theology. I want you to notice, first of all, the struggle Jesus experienced. Verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? It's interesting that Hebrews 12, verse 2, talks about that Jesus, in facing the cross, it says, He endured the cross. That means the cross was very difficult. Now, none of us would argue that. But then it says he despised the shame. Despised the shame. It was shameful. He knew what was he was facing here in verse 27. One writer said Jesus didn't go to the cross detached, indifferent, or without feeling. Listen, friend, Jesus was not a machine. He wasn't a droid that didn't have mind, will, and emotions. He was 100% God, but friend, he was 100% man. And as God, he knew every single thing that he was about to experience. And as man, he recoiled from that. Not from the physical suffering alone. Please don't ever think Jesus was scared to go to the cross because of the pain. That was not it, gang. Listen carefully. But he knew the physical, the emotional, the relational, the psychological, the spiritual, and the eternal pain associated with bearing the curse for sin. Do you get that? In his omniscience, he knew that he would be separated from the Father to the, such an infinite degree that he would be taking on everybody's sin and everybody's hell. There's no way we can understand that or comprehend that. And he struggled. He said... Man, there's a battle in my spirit. There's a struggle. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what is right to do. I know what my Father has sent me here to do. My soul is troubled. You ever feel that struggle? Yeah, you do. Every time you're tempted to sin, you feel that struggle, right? Every time there's something you know God has said, but your flesh wants to do something different, you feel that struggle, don't you? Yes. You feel it every day if you're alive. You feel that struggle. It's the struggle that we've always had. It's the struggle with the flesh. It's the struggle with temptation. It's the struggle with sin. It's the struggle knowing that God's will is this, but our flesh is pulling us this way. Or we naturally recoil from hard things. Jesus said, there's a struggle in my spirit. I'm troubled. 
heathens prayed in Luke 22, verse 42, as he was clawing the ground in Gethsemane's garden. He said, Father, if you be willing, let this cup pass from me. That cup, that cup of sin, that cup of judgment, that cup of the wrath of God that had to be righteously satisfied and could only be righteously satisfied in Jesus. And he said, part of me does not want to drink the cup not because I'm scared of pain, but because I do not want to be separated from my Father in heaven. You understand that in those moments, those hours on the cross, He was experiencing what every sinner feels who will ever go to hell. And He was experiencing the full wrath of the Father poured out on sin. He said, I'm troubled about that. And that tells us this morning that following God's plan is very seldom easy. If you're looking for an easy road, you might as well get off of the one you're on right now because it ain't going to be easy. If you're looking for roses every day and sunshine every day and hunky-dory and pats on the back all the time and I'm telling you it's just going to be a piece of cake and everything's going to be groovy, you're, you're, listen, you're fooling yourself. You've bought into a false theology and a false view of what Christianity is supposed to be. It's supposed to be difficult. Jesus said in John 16, that you better hang on because in this world you are going to have trouble and tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. <laughs> You're going to have problems and trouble. You're going to wrestle with yourself as much as you wrestle with the devil. Don't look for the easy road. You follow God's path. Wherever that takes you, whatever that takes you through, it's not easy. So we see the struggle Jesus experienced. Follow me now. Listen. Look at your Bible, please. We see the submission Jesus expressed. He said, what shall I say to my father? Father, save me from this hour. Or in other words, hey, Lord, Father, would you remove this from me? Just like he prayed in the garden. Father, if it's your will, can you remove this from me? But notice the submission. He says, verse 28, verse 27, For this hour came I into this world. I came for this hour. Then verse 28, Father, glorify thy name. He says in Luke twenty two forty two. he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Then he said, but nevertheless, that's the key word, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It's a good day when every single one of us gets and lands and lives in that land of nevertheless. Lord, whatever you decide now, I'd like to do this, but Lord, it's up to you and I'll put it in your hands. Nowhere do we see true submission like we see it here as Jesus is just plain. He said, Father, I came to die. I came to give my life. You see, Jesus' death was planned before the foundation of the world. That's what 1 Peter 1 and Revelation 13 says. No wonder that one-fifth of all the material in the four Gospels deals with the last few days of Jesus' life. 
You see, his death was why he came. People can talk about, well, Jesus came to be a good man and to show the world a pattern to live by. Fooey. Jesus didn't come just to be a good man. Jesus came to die and to give his life for everybody. You say, what does fooey mean? I don't know. It means baloney or something. His death is why he came. That's what he said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. One writer, Dr. Henry Thiessen, said his death wasn't an afterthought or an accident. It was the accomplishment of a definite purpose in connection with the incarnation. The incarnation, he said, is not an end in itself, but it's a means to an end. And that end, listen, is the redemption of the lost through the Lord's death on the cross. And I say amen to that. He says, now, Lord, glorify yourself. Glorify yourself. Glorify your name. It's interesting that Jesus said, now, Lord, I'm going to die, and you glorify your name in my death. This is why I came. You see, friend, listen carefully. Nothing glorified the Father like the cross of Jesus. And nothing glorifies the Father now like you and I proclaiming the cross, trusting in the finished work on the cross, and exalting in what Jesus did for us on the cross. That glorifies the Father more than anything. No wonder there's joy in the midst of heaven when one sinner repents. No wonder the angels desire to look into these things, Simon Peter said. No wonder the new song sung in heaven through all the ages of eternity will be about the grace, the sacrifice, and the triumph of the risen Lamb of God. That's it, gang. Can I tell you something, friend? Listen carefully. It's always been about the cross. It always will be about the cross. Jesus wants you to come to the cross today to be saved. He wants you to come to be forgiven. He wants you to say yes to Jesus, to be set free from your sin. And nothing will bring more glory to the Father than the salvation of a soul that Jesus loved and died for. Can I get an amen? Will you come to Jesus today? God's been dealing with your heart and life. Will you come to Jesus today? Will you say yes to Christ? You see, I want to tell you something, Christian. The goal of life is not my comfort and not yours. The goal of life is not my agenda and it's not yours. Are you hearing me this morning? The goal of life is the glory of the Father. Whatever glorifies God, whatever makes God happy, whatever pleases God, that's the goal in life. It's not to make money. It's not to build buildings. It's not to build empires or to pad our life. No, 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 no. If God gives us those things, then we praise His name for it and we bless and honor Him. But the supreme goal in every life is to glorify the Father. Are you doing that? And then we see... In closing, the satisfaction Jesus enjoyed. Look at verse 28, what the Bible says. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven. This is the third time in Scripture that that happened with Jesus. It happened at his baptism, and it happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. 
where God the Father spoke and said, remember, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, this is the third time it happened. So Jesus prays and he said, now, Father, you glorify your name. And God the Father, boom, instantly echoes audibly out of heaven. And this is what he says. Watch this. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. It's God the Father saying. You got it, son. As old Mike Ziegler used to say, two thumbs up. Father, glorify yourself. The Father says, you've glorified me. I can't think of any better thing to hear than the Father saying, I'm proud of you. Friend, that's, that's what we ought to live for. Other people's opinion don't matter. His does. Don't live for somebody else's pat on the back. They're a human. They're not God. You live for his eyes and his approval. Because I'm going to tell you something. At the end of the day and at the end of life, his is the only one that really matters. Stop running yourself crazy trying to live pleasing everybody. You can't do that anyway. You better make sure that you live by that book and you please Jesus. Notice what Jesus said, verse 29. The people, therefore, that stood by heard it and said that it thundered. Oh, I think I heard some thunder. And others said, oh, it wasn't thunder. An angel spoke to him. Jesus said in verse 30, this voice came not because of me. In other words, the Father didn't speak audibly so I would hear him. He spake audibly so that you would hear him. He didn't speak audibly to let me know he was proud of me. (laughs) He spake audibly so that you would know. I'm doing what honors him. The cross is going to honor him. My bloody sacrificial death is going to honor him. See, they couldn't hang on to that. That, that. that blew their mind. They had their eyes on a throne. And Jesus the whole time was telling them, wait a minute, I'm going to a cross. Oh, oh that's not true. That's not right. That's not right. Yeah, it is. And God the Father reiterated and validated his own son. Jesus heard the Father's voice. But then he received the Father's vindication and validation. And here's what we learn that pleasing God is its own reward. That's what you can. Pleasing God is its own reward. You may never hear somebody else's voice tell you you did a good job. You may not. You might, but you might not. Can I tell you this in love? Stop living for somebody else's voice or approval. We all must live and ought to live and praise God we can live 
for the Father's approval. Jesus said, I do always those things which please the Father. Stop living for other people's approval. You live for one pair of eyes only, and that's the Lord. You do right because it honors God. And when you know in your conscience that you're right with God and He's pleased with your life, let that be enough. Let that be enough for you. So what's the takeaway? Here's the big so what. What does this all have to do with me, preacher? I'm glad you asked me. Here it is. Number one, come to Jesus. If you don't know him, come to Jesus this morning. He's been drawing you. He's been speaking to you. He's been working in your life. He's been convicting you. That's called conviction of the Holy Spirit. Would you come to Jesus today? Wherever you are, would you bow your heart and your head and say yes to the Lordship of Christ in your life? Would you turn from your sins and turn from your unbelief and embrace Jesus? And by the way, that's what everybody has to do before they're ever saved. That's what salvation is. It's coming to Jesus with nothing but your sins and your unworthiness and you laying it down before Him and you saying, you're all I have. (laughs) And you know why that's so wonderful? Because He's all we need. It's not the baptismal waters. I'm a Baptist and I'll baptize you and you ought to be baptized after you get saved. But you can be dunked in every baptistry this side of the Noose River and you not be any closer to God. Getting baptized doesn't save you. You can join every church in Wayne County and you still not be saved. It's not about church membership. You can give all of your money and you not be saved. It's not about your finances and what you give. It's not about taking the Lord's Supper. It's not about what you do. It's all about what Jesus has already done for you. Come to Jesus today. The Father's drawing you right now. The Holy Spirit's drawing you right now. Come to Jesus today. I'll say this to you. Christian, Stop being discouraged by negative elements that come against you as you live out your faith. Well, I just, I just, I just wasn't prepared for all this. Hey, brother, get, hey, is it, get, get used to it. Stop letting it discourage you and hinder you in your Christian walk. Somebody says something and you hold it. Man, you, you, you just kind of, listen, sometimes some of us are tempted to stay out of church. Because of actions or words from another believer. We get so discouraged because of adversity that we kind of seem to take a day off and throw in the towel spiritually. Friend, you can't do that. Press on. Press ahead. Keep moving by the power and grace of Almighty God. Number three. Make your daily decisions based on what best glorifies the Father. Ask yourself before every word, before every action, before every choice, does this glorify the Father? Does this glorify the Father? If it does, do it. If it doesn't, don't. And finally, let the fact that God is pleased be enough for you. You see, I'm afraid this. 
sometimes that we get so accustomed to living for man's approval and we're so unaccustomed to living for God's approval are you hearing me that we aren't really don't know how to get content and settle in to just living for God's approval and some of you dear precious ones need to like me come this morning and say now Lord I need to get my priorities back in line I need to start living for your approval some of, my, some of you right here, and I love you because we're brothers and sisters in Christ now. Some of you need to come and say, now, Lord, I've, I've let problems and discouragements and hindrances keep me from living out my faith and pressing ahead, gung-ho for Jesus. I've let discouragement stop me, and through your power, Lord, I'm going to decide this morning I'm not going to let that happen anymore. You need to come and pray about that. Some of you need to come and give your life to Christ. Some of you are going through difficulties right now. And you need to come and just say, Lord, I want to have your perspective on what I'm going through. Help me to get my heart and mind and spirit wrapped around this. Because I want to please you in it. Some of y'all right now are struggling with some spiritual things, rightness and wrongness of it. And you know God's pulling you and wanting you to go in this direction. But yet, you're, you're, you're wrestling with it. And you need to come and you need to submit like Christ did to the Father's will. And say, Lord, this is going to be hard for me. You know it is. But I submit to it right now. You see, I don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to talk. He's already talked. What we need to pray right now is, Lord, now you help me to do what you're telling me to do. And now's the time. It's decision time. And that's up to you. If I could make you, I would. <laughs> but I, I can't. You know what you need to do this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please, across this room.